You're listening to MLB.com Extras, brought to you by MLB.tv. It's baseball everywhere. Hello, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Anthony Kastrovitz, and this is our weekly look at the Chicago White Sox. I'm joined by the fabulous Scott Merkin. Merk, how you been, buddy? Uh, I was off last week, so I didn't get to uh, run down the uh, trade deadline uh, recap with you, but uh, obviously some big-picture questions faced this organization at this trade deadline, and really those conversations or those questions were tabled until the winter. Uh, seems like just, just in general, kind of a lot of unfinished business and a lot of unsettled situations as far as what the next step is for this franchise. Yeah, you know, Rick was asked on the conference call, I think I might have asked him actually about, you know, are they, can they say they're going in a rebuild or are they still trying to, you know, kind of go for it and, he said, out of respect to the players and coaches and Robin, who are you know working daily to get things done right now, that he wasn't going to give an answer one way or the other on that. So, you know, I I think that's still up in the air. If I had to guess, I would say you know they're going more towards a rebuild. One thing he did say is they're you know they're done with the kind of piecing it together type of plan, which they've that's kind of the old you know revamp while contending type of thing. And, again, I think a lot of people outside the organization, a lot of fans, were, were angered that there was no move made before the non-waiver deadline. But I think they weren't getting what they wanted, and there's no point to make a trade just to make a trade. You know, I know people will say, well, you know, you can just trade David Robertson for a minor leaguer and, you know, get his money off the books or whatever. But, I mean, he's still a pretty valuable closer, and there's still maybe a move made for him during the waiver period, or he may be around still. I mean, it's, it's just... They didn't. They really didn't have to trade anyone. There were no expiring contracts or no bad deals and no free agents to be. So you know they didn't, and they moved forward. And we'll see what they do as you know the end of the month comes around, the end of August comes around, and more so the off season. What goes on then? Yeah, it's uh, going to be going to be fascinating because obviously uh, some very huge trade chips uh, in that rotation in particular. Uh, see which yeah, direction I mean, the White Sox go with that. Yeah, I, I still think that Sale or Quintana, one of the main reasons they didn't go anywhere, well, first, because they're so valuable to the team as players, yeah. but B, I think they were asking for major league pieces. I don't think it was, you know, just right. give us a lot of prospects. I think they wanted, you know, Nomar Mazzara from Texas or Mookie Betts from Boston, and understandably those teams have relied on those guys to contend to get to where they are now as, as one of the pieces to get to where they are now. So they're not going to trade them now, but maybe if, you know, Rick Hahn reapproaches it in December. They they are willing to make that move to get a Chris Sale or Jose Quintana. So it'll be like you said. It'll be interesting to see. There's a lot. You know, not just those two guys, but you know, pretty much everyone. Abreu, Frazier, um, Eaton. A, a lot of interesting pieces that could really kind of revamp the system if you went in that direction. Well, another interesting piece in the rotation, uh, of course, under contract for another couple of years, and the James Shields experience, Merck, has been all over the map. Uh, the three absolutely brutal outings to start his White Sox career. Then he had six straight quality starts, and he had a rough one in Detroit last week. And then he goes bad again in a, in a major way against the Orioles on Sunday. Uh, eight runs on four homers and one and one-third innings. And, you know, even when he had the six straight quality starts, it wasn't like he was overpowering people by any means. Uh, that's not his game anyway. But, um, boy, when he goes bad, Mark, he goes so bad. We've seen that, uh, you know, several times now since he's come over to Chicago. Yeah, you know, it's interesting that he hasn't really had, I think, the one start in Boston, which was after, you know, the three horrible ones to start the tenure with the White Sox. 
was about the only one that's been kind of, you know, mid- midway, like five innings, three runs. You know, not bad, not yeah, great, right. but, you know, survived. And otherwise, it's been really good or really off the mark. And, yeah, he, he got hit hard against Baltimore. Yeah, he doesn't throw, you know, 95, 97. So when he's missing his location and the ball's cutting back over the plate, he's going to get, you know, smacked around a little bit. Now, Manny Machado has done that to a lot of people this year, but still, you know, three home runs in three innings. Not all, two of them against uh, James Shields and one against Matt Albert. You don't see that too often. But, yeah, I mean, it, it was, you know, it was, it was, not make, not being glib, but it was kind of batting practice. They they hit him hard, and he knew it, and he said it after the game. You know, I, again, that's another thing that I think fans don't particularly love at this point, hearing that you know it's my fault. I'm going to get better. I think they want you to be good at that point. But he understood. You know, I mean, he he was missing his spots badly and getting hit pretty hard, and that's been the problem with you know Shields. Is he's he's kind of been like a fifth starter in that he's you know had some really good ones and some really bad ones, and. And like you said, the good ones haven't been overpowering, but they've gotten the job done. You know, he's done seven innings, eight innings, one run or two runs. But when they've been bad, they've been really off the mark. Well, let's talk about something positive. Jose Abreu has shown some power okay. of late. He had three homers in a four-game stretch. Prior to that, he had not gone deep since June 25th. So here's a guy who definitely was overdue uh, and, and seems to be showing that. What have you seen from Abreu here lately? Yeah, I think the biggest thing with him, and he's talked about this a couple times, is he uh, when he expands the strike zone, when he's chasing pitches out of the zone, and that really could be the case for any hitter, but especially for Abreu, then that just kind of you know puts him in a puts him in a hole, and he's I think been swinging more at his pitch. And uh, again, I, I didn't think he was you know completely done as a power hitter. I think he just had a really rough stretch, and you know I'm not sure if this is part of the situation, but. His uh, his son has come over from Cuba for a month, and he's he's spending time with him now. I believe he's going to be with him in Kansas City, and then in Miami too, where you know Jose lives in the Florida area in the off season. So maybe that's you know maybe that has played on his mind. I don't know. I don't want to speak for him, but I would think that you know he hadn't seen him at all since he had come over to play for the White Sox in the United States. Then he did see them, did see his son when he went to uh, Cuba for the Goodwill tour in the off season. And maybe, you know, seeing him kind of made him miss him even more than he already had, which is a pretty high level to begin with. So, who knows, maybe knowing that he was coming up a little bit. But I, I think just sticking to baseball stuff, it's just he's not, you know, as Robin said, his hands look better, and he's just not chasing pitches as much as he was and making hard contact again. Uh, what about uh, Tim Anderson? Obviously, you know, on the whole, they're, I'm sure they're pleased with what he's brought to this ball club since he came up in June. Um Having said that, the 61 strikeouts in his first 215 plate appearances—that's pretty glaring. I know that's uh, you know something he's focused on improving. What's uh, what do you make of him offensively? Well, you know, our very own uh, Baltimore Orioles writer Brittany Giroli was telling me on Sunday that Buck Showalter was no none other than Buck Showalter was singing uh, the praise of Anderson, and someone mentioned that to him, and he said, "Ah, you know, that kind of comes with experience." And yeah. you know, Tim is never going to be a you know, I think like you know, 60, 60 walk, forty strikeout guy in a season. You know, he he may be a low walk guy his whole career, but I think he'll be he'll show more patience as he goes. You know, he's an aggressive hitter, and it's interesting because that's kind of Todd Stevers and the hitting coach's philosophy is. You know, he's not one that wants you to work the count every time up and go seven, eight pitches every time up. He wants you that if you know pitch one is your pitch to hit, then hit it. Pitch seven is your pitch to hit, then hit that one. But I think Tim has done a nice job overall. I think he's had a little, he's had a few ups and downs as any rookie would have, but he's been good overall and his defense is pretty solid. 
And again, while I don't think he's suddenly going to become the on-base king of baseball, I think it's going to get better as he gets through, you know, two years, three years, and understands major league pitching a little more. And another key developmental piece who's at the big league level, of course, is Carson Fulmer. And Merck, I mean, this guy's pitched eight or nine innings since the middle of July, and obviously the White Sox are not in a contending scenario anymore in the AL Central, so you just kind of wonder, is this doing him any good? Uh, is he getting enough work uh, to take those those necessary developmental steps? So I know it's delicate balance. What do you make of his situation? I talked to Rick Hahn about that on Sunday, and Rick said, you know, that he benefits from having the instruction of Don Cooper and Bobby Thickpen, you know, the pitching coach and bullpen coach up here. Although they have great pitching coaches throughout the system as well, you know, he's throwing sides. They, they kind of know days when he when he probably won't pitch, and they're you know, working with him, doing extra stuff then. And I think there is a chance that they may stretch him out a little bit. I think he went with two and a third the other day against Baltimore in the game where James Shields got hit hard. And you may see him, you know, do kind of an abbreviated start at some point in September if they continue in this direction where they're, you know, pretty much out of contention for the postseason. So I I think you'll get a chance to see that. And I asked Rick, uh, you know, what direction he saw Carson going, whether it was more reliever or more start of the future, and he just kind of smiled and said, we'll let that play out as, as, as you know, the, his career goes on. So I don't know if they've not really decided yet. I, I would think he's going to eventually get a chance to start, whether that, you know, is his calling for his whole career or whether he's going to end up more as a reliever. I think they're certainly going to give him a chance there. But, yeah, I think he, he says he's starting to feel comfortable. We talked to him after the loss on Sunday, and, you know, it's nothing he's really done before. It's the first, you know, first time he hasn't pitched every five days, gone six, seven innings where he's, you know, got kind of a, a schedule down, got nobody's got to do every day, each day in between starts. So I think it's more of a comfort thing for him, but it's well against Baltimore. And again, it's, it's weighing the lack of work versus the benefits of just being in the major leagues and kind of learning as he goes. All right, there you have it. That's the latest from Scott Merkin. I want to thank him for joining us. Thank you all for tuning in. This has been MLB.com Extras, Chicago White Sox edition. MLB.tv Premium, the number one live streaming sports service, is celebrating 13 years. Watch every out-of-market regular season game live or on demand in true HD. Real-time highlights, live look-ins, pitch tracking widget, and more. MLB.tv Premium includes a free AtBat 15 subscription. Watch live baseball on over 400 mobile and connected devices. Watch at home, in the office, or on the go every night on every device. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Visit MLB.tv for details.